Welcome to The Burn, Beyond Firestop. I'm your host, John Zalepka. Our show is dedicated to life safety and code compliance in the built environment, which puts me on a mission to find the most interesting people in this space to get their unique perspective. Our hope is that our listening audience walks away with an understanding of how our guests and their businesses and organizations contribute to the promotion of life safety of whatever is being built. Now our show is brought to you by Specified Technologies Inc., also known as STI Firestop. And since 1990, STI has been a leading global provider of innovative fire protective solutions that help stop the spread of fire, smoke, and hot gases. And our guest today is no stranger to these such topics. Bill McHugh has been involved in the construction industry for over 39 years, focusing on several industries, including roofing, waterproofing, fireproofing, and my favorite, fire stopping. Over the past 33 years, Bill served in managerial roles at large and small corporations. He's been a contractor, a distributor, and he's presently an association management professional, which includes his work as executive director of the Firestop Contractors International Association, FCIA, and a few others that we'll get into today. But with that, welcome, Bill. Uh, thanks, John. Glad to be with you. Well, thanks, Bill. And I always like to start these podcasts on a personal note rather than jumping into the whole business of things. And, you know, I'd like to take you back all the way to uh, the 20th century, if you will, back in North Central College, if you don't mind. We won't say which year in the 20th century, but, you know, after doing a little bit of digging on, on LinkedIn, I came across something where it said that you were a two-time NCAA springboard diving champ. And I mean, I have so many questions and, you know, feel free to answer them in whatever order you like. But, you know, did you have a go-to dive when you needed a big score? Did you have a really big meet? Did you get some kind of ring or jacket? I mean, what was it like being an All-American in general? Well, very cool. Thank you. Appreciate that. Uh, yeah, it was 1970 uh, something, 75 through 79. And uh had the opportunity to dive springboard all the way through college. Uh, Division three school, North Central, small, um, small college, if you will. But uh, you know, anytime you're competing at the national level, uh, the level of competition changes. And I, I can tell you that it was just a great experience to be able to compete in my sport uh, for as long as I did. As a matter of fact, I dove all the way until age 48. Wow! In the Masters National Diving Championships, but probably the best college. Uh, uh, program or the best college meet I had was my junior year. Uh, took sixth uh, in the nation on the one meter competition. And it was just uh, every dive went in well. And, and that's the way springboard diving is. You can't have one that's great and five that are bad or one that's great and 11 or, or 10 that are bad. You got to hit them all in order to stand up on a stand. And it was uh, great fun to be able to do that and also uh, provide points to the team because there's a team competition to it all as well. Although an individual sport, it's part of the swimming and diving team and uh, you know, good fun to have conference meets uh, as well as uh, you know, individual meets along the way too. Just a, a great sport and uh, I, I was given a lot of opportunities because of it and have provided others with uh, free coaching because of the free coaching I got through many years. You know, Pay it forward if you will, because sure. uh, people gave it to you I guess pay it back for me because uh, I started coaching when I was 18 and uh, have coached until probably regularly on and off and, uh, throughout my career. Uh, not full time, but, you know, give what you have when you have time and get the enjoyment of uh, helping others and then give them the responsibility to pass on what they learn from you. Wow. Same thing we do in Firestop and John. 
Yeah, you know, and it's funny. I was a perfect uh, transition right there. I mean, do you, did you feel that being a part of a, a team like that and the competition is it helped you transition into the business world? Well, you know, that helps. And, you know, I, I can thank my parents, frankly, because, uh, you know, my dad and my mom together, uh, my dad was uh, in, in business and also in sports. And they started asking me questions when I was a kid, like, hey, what are you going to do for a living? Like, well, what do you mean, what am I going to do for a living? Well, you know, you're in eighth grade. Soon you're going to start thinking about high school and college and, and you're going to have a career. That's your whole life, by the way. <laughs> what are you going to do? So I chose my career early, like uh, senior year in high school, and got myself a business degree out of uh, North Central and speech communications and theater, both. And then uh, had the opportunity through springboard diving to uh, get a master's in business by coaching the men's and women's diving team at uh, Western Illinois University, in addition to being a fellow for the Illinois Business Hall of Fame, where you went around and gave presentations, career presentations to high school students. So uh, all I can say is uh, the transition uh, wasn't really a transition. I, I worked my way through college and, uh, uh, you know, was working in big business and small business all the way through. Had some experience and obviously different uh, when you get into the business world. But uh, so a lot of the skills are the same that you're taught when you're a kid from your parents, as well as the friends of your parents and everyone else that's uh, involved in your life as you uh, grow from a young person into a, a young adult. And then, of course, uh, onward. So fun ride. Yeah, no, it sounds like a pretty fun ride. And before we jump into business, I guess one more personal question for you. Bears fan, obviously, or what? Well, I was a, a Bears fan until I got my second COVID shot. And I was bet, uh, uh, talking with uh, Ben Erkovich, the president of the FCIA. So, you know, I think they put something in that shot that made me a Green Bay Packer fan. Uh-oh. He's a, he's a Green Bay guy. It's like, Ben, I don't know what happened, man. But they, all of a sudden, I'm just thinking Green Bay. That's so funny. Well, I'm a Vikings fan in, in New Jersey, so I'm a, a bit of an anomaly out here. But uh, I didn't know if we had that little rivalry going. But obviously, being in, in Chicago is how you, you ended up at, at Grace. And is that where you first encountered Firestop? Or, I mean, how did, where, where did Firestop come into the picture in your business? Well, interesting. Uh, my parents uh, moved around a bit. I actually started where you are in New Jersey. Oh, okay. We were in uh, Piscataway around New Brunswick, moved to West Bloomfield, Michigan in junior year in high school, and then Naperville, Illinois, senior year in high school. So did my four years of college here. And then uh, you love how I got uh, my first pr uh, job out of college. Uh, we were walking around the neighborhood in between years of my master's and my parents, and there was a grace admixture truck in the driveway of one of the people that were there. And so we, uh, one of our neighbors, so we stopped and talked to him. And next thing you know, we were talking about people and it turned out that the, the guy that hired him was a friend of my dad's, mom and dad's. So being the opportunist, I looked in the eye and said, hey, do you mind if I drop by a resume at Christmas time? Uh, now, mind you, this is 1980, 81. We were in the real deep, dark recession at the time. And he said, by all means, we're always looking for good young people to bring on. So uh, at the time, dropped my resume off and uh, with him, and he did not have a, a position, but the roofing division did. Next thing you know, I'm uh, going to work for uh, uh, Grace Construction Products in the roofing and waterproofing division, okay. uh, which then uh, became uh, the construction products division. And then everyone came together, fireproofing, roofing, waterproofing, and all that kind of stuff. So I kind of got exposed to fire resistance 
in the mid to late 80s uh, when I wound up being a district manager for them in, in Alabama, covering Tennessee, Alabama, Florida, a little bit of Mississippi and Arkansas. Uh, but the real exposure to fire stopping came in uh, after leaving Grace and going to Polyguard Products in Dallas, covering the whole country for them, setting up their manufacturer's rep and distributor network, uh, where many of the distributors and reps were handling fire stopping, uh, whether it was Dow Corning, 3M, uh, and mind you, this is 1987, so it was just before STI started. Um, you know, they, these guys were involved in fire stopping. I thought it was kind of cool. Uh, so after leaving Polyguard, I wound up with a distributor here in Chicago as a Dow Corning fire stop distributor. And through the years that I was involved there, um, uh, wound up uh, in touch with STI uh, and many of the others that, that may not be around it. Well, they are around. I mean, BioFire Shield is part of Rector Seal, um, International Pro Protective Coatings, uh, also now part of uh, Rector Seal as well, uh, and several of the others. Uh, and Nelson's still involved in the industry too. So, got my exposure that way, and then got into it uh, into the distribution and eventually in contracting. And is that how eventually you led into the FCIA? And I, I believe it was like 1998. You you, you were in contracting yeah. for a while. Yeah. So, um, you know, 1990 started in the distribution business and uh, fire stopping was one of those things that nobody really knew much about. So as a distributor, I thought, well, gee, if nobody knows about it, how are they going to buy it? How are they going to specify it? How are they going to enforce it in the code enforcement world? So I decided maybe I should become a student of this business and uh, call it a, a construction discipline, call it a trade, whatever you want to call it. And as a student, start teaching it uh, as well. So um, teaching started locally and then grew from, you know, a couple hundred people in a room, uh, whether it's specifiers, contractors, workforce, whatever it might be. Uh, that evolved into regional uh, presentations, teaching uh, various uh, entities as other associations that wanted to learn about fire stopping. Then it became national associations, whether it's AWCI or NAIA uh, and all the regional insulation associations, the regional drywall associations, full day and a half programs, uh, generic, of course. Um, you know, wrote articles about fire stopping, wrote a book about fire stopping in the early 90s. And, you know, when I got into contracting, um, I, I was contacted by people that had seen me speak at various places and said, hey, look, we're trying to form this association. Are you interested in participating? I said, absolutely. That sounds great. So I uh, got involved in it in, uh, uh, before the association started with our, our other uh, friends that were part of that uh, startup for the association in, in 1998. And uh, we had a great team together that all had the same uh, mindset of what they wanted the industry to look like from their perspective. You know, everyone has their own perspective, but uh, what they wanted it to look like and, and what an association might be able to bring to the party in, in 98. And here we are. Here we are. Yeah, and you know, just for the benefit of the listening audience who maybe they're not as familiar with, you know, what FCIA does, if you don't mind just telling us a little bit about kind of what what your mission is or even why a specialty fire stop contracting firm is so important. Thanks, John. Well, you know, the first thing is you go back to the start of the association. We all believed in the uh, proper design, installation, inspection, 
and maintaining protection of fire resistance rated assemblies. And we really, as we were starting, we didn't limit it to just fire stopping. Uh, many were involved in other industries as well, whether it's uh, uh, gypsum wallboard installation is, uh, uh, you know, fireproofing, if you will. Uh, and then also many of them were thinking ahead, doors, dampers, firewood glazing, but fire stopping was truly the focus of this group of uh, uh, eight, nine people that came together to form the association. And the idea was, you know, why isn't there a body of knowledge from which people can learn, which became the Firestop Manual of Practice, of which it's on its eighth edition, uh, just launched yesterday, the first the, the chapter on uh, uh, section on standards, another 80 page uh, chapter will go out probably later this week, early next week. But why isn't there a body of knowledge for people to learn from? Why isn't there some kind of a program that contractor companies can use to separate themselves from those companies that don't think fire stopping is real? I mean, you, I don't have to tell you or the people in the audience that there are people that think fire stopping is a joke and it's not really something that's take seriously. Just take this fire caulking and just throw it everywhere. It miraculously will make that wall continuously fire resistance rated. You know, after many, many decades of education, there's still people that don't think this industry really is real and is something that's viable. So why isn't there a way to separate companies? Hence the FM4991 UL Qualified Contractor Program and people reading the manual of practice, studying for an exam to become designated responsible individuals. Quality programs, the FM and UL contractor programs are quality management system programs. They're company programs where the procedures of the company get audited by a third party those kinds of programs to separate those uh, organizations. Then the other question was, you know, why aren't we all together involved in the code development and standards development uh, process? Uh, whether it's uh, code development for um, standards development for the, the particular products, uh, bringing the field perspective to the standards development process or codes. And then importantly, what about inspection? Why don't we have special inspection in the industry like the fireproofing industry has had for decades? Hence the ASTM E2174-2393 standards that actually developed from a question that was asked of the ICC current vice president of codes, Mike Pfeiffer. Hey, Mike, how come we don't have inspection for fire stopping like we got for fire moving? And he said, well, it's very simple. Have you got a standard for this stuff to inspect it? Well, no. Well, then fine. Go build yourself a standard and then come back to the codes and put it in, which the FCIA did, launching our standards committee uh, hiring a consultant to draft the standards and then working with our manufacturer partners at ASTM to bring the standard into uh, life. And then the FCIA was the code proponent from 2000 to 2009 to drop it into the 2012 code. So um, additionally, the maintaining protection, we felt that the, the reliability of fire stopping is a responsibility for all of us, manufacturers, contractors, distributors, everybody, to teach the building owner and manager and everybody else that maintaining protection for the life cycle of the building has to be there. Why? Because if it doesn't work, they're going to write us out of the building code and the fire code. And if we're able to get the full package, that DIIM, you know, the mission of the FCIA is to find ways to build fire and life safety, effective compartmentation, fire stopping, and have it installed properly, that DIIM, proper design, installation, inspection, and maintenance. I'm not repeating it verbatim, obviously. That's over on fci.org. Go take a look, and you can find it under the About Us. 
But really, if it boils down to that DIIM and making sure that fire stopping is properly designed, that's right specification, uh, clear and concise, code language that makes sense that's enforceable, standards that uh, reflect what's actually going to happen in the field, installed by companies that understand and respect the listings. I mean, you guys have inspected, invested millions of dollars in these tests tested and listed systems and your manufacturer's installation instructions. That's got to be respected. And then inspected by inspection agencies that hopefully IASAC 291 accredited and have inspectors that have passed either the FMUL fire stop exam, the IFC exam, mm -hmm. uh, and then maintain that protection for the life cycle of the building. I mean, if all that goes right, we'll have done our job and left this industry in a place uh, when all of us are long gone, that's a better place than when we started. And, and I can tell you that it's not just me, it's this whole team, the FCIA, uh, the manufacturers that participate in the industry, STI, of course, uh, and all our other manufacturer members. All of us working together to find a way to make that work and make that whole thing spin to be able to provide reliability of that installed product when it's all said and done. Because when a fire starts, you and I are in the building, we want to make sure that stuff works. That's right. Wow, Bill, you just answered my next three questions. So let me just unpack all of that, right? <laughs> so you, you, start, you started with the DIIM philosophy, right? The design, installation, inspection, and maintenance. And, and you're going around and, and you're trying to ingrain that philosophy in what? Fire marshals, the, the ICC, even, even like you said, ASTM. I mean, it's funny. Uh, that's a funny story. I'd probably like to hear the rest of it. Like it just came up as a question. Why don't we have this special inspection? I mean... That, that's another big one there. Like it took till 2012 to finally get it in there. And what, we're still left with authorities having jurisdiction, having to enforce it, right? Is that what we're missing here? I mean, cause I get asked this question a lot in, in trainings. Like, why isn't this being done when you tell them it has to 75 feet or risk category three and four. And, and they're like, well, why isn't it being done? Like it takes someone to still enforce that, correct? Well, you know, you ask a good question. Uh, it does take a fire, not a fire marshal, but a new construction, a building code official. Uh, certain jurisdictions do not adopt the Chapter 17 of the International Building Code, which is where you find special inspections. But I can tell you the FCIA's already been to master spec years ago and the specification agencies and planted the independent inspection in there. Matter of fact, in 1990. Four, we had a program here in Chicago with uh, our friend Rich Walkie and I. He at the time was with UL. We did a program for the CSI Chicago chapter. And we talked about inspection. And frankly, they've been putting inspection and specs here since 1990, early 1990s. Uh, specs don't always hold, uh, but they do set the stage for something to happen. We know it's not a perfect world. And we know that the industry continues to evolve. And I'll tell you that uh, inspection is important, but without a contracting company that understands the Firestop installation protocol, without a Firestop installation company that understands that, that trains their workforce to respect your listings and not just go flinging Firestop sealing everywhere or putting in one wrap strip when there should be three or four around a penetrating item or just skimming the sealant so it's a half the thickness it should be. Without that contractor, that inspection uh, is going to be really, really expensive because it's all time and material. And it's going to be quite difficult. And the building owner manager won't get the proper value. So frankly, when we put in the uh, inspection standards into the code for the 2009 cycle for the 12 code, 
we had a companion change to put in the FM and UL programs, and it almost got in. We had key organizations like the uh, Oshpod in California that governs hospitals for that jurisdiction, California, say, we would rather see contractor accreditation programs than inspections. Like, holy cow, that was the, uh, and that was their testimony. So in our opinion, from the FCIA perspective, it's got to have both that inspection and the contractor that understands the protocol and the complexity that are in your listings. You know, they're, they're not easy to install completely. Uh, certainly some of the material looks easy to install, but understanding the listings, that takes some brain power. And that's, that's where, uh, uh, you know, having the company that understands how to train their workforce to do that, that brain part is huge for the industry and huge for fire and life safety. Good question there, John. Appreciate it. Um, and that's why I think also like some of those things that are showing up in this specs, the FM4991, the accredited contractors, the DRIs and things like that, like hopefully, you know, they're enforced also, uh, you know, we see those popping up more and more. Uh, how does a contractor become a member of FCIA? Do they have to have one of those qualifications? Or well, good, they... good question there, John. You know, you just mentioned the FM and the DRIs. You know, those are two separate things. The FM 499 program and the UL Qualified Contractor Program has a DRI as part of it. That person's not a DRI until such time as they are appointed by the contractor company. The FCIA, uh, the Firestop Contractors International Association, our mission has been to involve people in the industry, get them in here, um, whether they're FM approved, UL qualified or not, or if they're as a contractor. If they're an inspection agency, they don't have to be IAS accredited either. It's a company-based membership and we leave it wide open so that we can get people in, teach them the proper protocol uh, for installing Firestop systems to the tested and listed system that you guys have invested tons of money in getting, in order to qualify your products for a specific application, and then the, your manufacturer's installation instructions. We want to bring them in and teach them that, about that. After that, if they choose to get FM or UL, that's their choice as a company. I can tell you over half of the companies at FCIA are already accredited and growing rapidly. You know, 10 years ago, we were thinking, boy, if we can get to 100 companies, that'd be great. If we can get to 50 companies, that'd be great. Well, we're at, you know, 200 between... Wow the FM and UL programs, and the coverage is much more than it ever was. Uh, and the FCIA membership is expanding rapidly across the globe. Middle East, uh, strong comp uh, concentration in, to our friends in Qatar, United Arab Emirates, Saudi Arabia. We've got people in Europe, we've got people in the Far East. Uh, we've got uh, discussions going on in, in all kinds of other places, whether it's uh, Europe, UK, Got some South America as well, and a large Canadian membership as well. Um, you know, so when we, as an association, when we were forming in, in 1998, we asked ourselves, should we just be the Firestop Contractors Association, International Association? We chose to put that international in there and not just be your typical Americans that put the international in it and then never really do anything international. In 2008, we hopped an airplane and flew to Dubai and did our first uh, international real conference. Certainly, we were meeting in Canada in 04 and 06. Uh, but, you know, Canada is another country. It is. And, and we respect that. And it's a great country. Uh, but it's not as international as flying across the pond to do sure. something overseas. And uh, so uh, we're, we're continuing to expand that and will in the, in the, greater, in the future as well. So what else is going on at the FCIA? Yeah, I really appreciate that, John. You know, in addition to our hybrid conferences and regular conferences, our committees, 
the FCIA committees, they meet all times of the year. And that's where the programs have come from. The accreditation uh, committee built the FM, the 4991 UL Qualified Contractor Program. The standards committee built the ASTM E2174-2393. The code committee is what got those uh, standards into the code and works at the code uh, action. Uh, Life Safety Digest Committee with the uh, Life Safety Digest magazine. Uh, The Education Committee built the the Certificate of Education Achievement Program. I mean, those committees is really where stuff happens. And it's all volunteer members that make it work. Um, So if you're interested in joining the FCIA, making a difference in the industry, the committees are where it happens. And, you know, we look for the committees, uh, into the committees, for future board members too, you know, people that want to make a difference in their industry, they join the association, they come to conferences, they get involved, and then they join a committee and then possibly move up to board service if that's what they want to do. There's a lot of people that never move up to board service and they just stay on the committees and really, really make a difference in their industry because that's where the, the ideas come from and where the association has really uh, found a way to build its programs for from. So lots and lots of things going on in FCIA. Committees is just one of the main, many things. Thanks for asking that question, John. That's great. So we're going to put that in the show notes for sure, fcia.org for more information on that. And I, I could talk Firestop with you all day, but we did call the show Beyond Firestop, so we should probably do that. Um, let's talk a little bit about it, your company. Um, in 2004, you, you started um, the McHugh Company, great name, by the way, uh, which is an association management and consulting firm, correct? Well, you know, it actually starts with the FCIA. Um, as a member, I was one of the founding members as a contractor in 1998. I left the contracting business uh, because I was trying to buy a company, actually, the company that I was working for at the time. And the guy decided not to sell it to anybody. He just got sick of the workers' comp claims and the you know, contracting is just a really complex business. You got to buy the material. Well, first you got to bid the project, make sure you estimate it right, get it, get the contract terms right, uh, buy the material, mobilize the men and women to work, make sure it goes in right, collect the money. I mean, there's so many, so many, so many things to worry about. And then the lawsuits that come, you buy the insurance. This guy just got sick of it and said, that's it. I'm not selling this thing to anybody. So it's like, okay, I guess I got to go to work for a living. So you know, went back into architectural sales for a couple of years. And the guys at the FCIA said, hey, Bill, why don't you start this uh, with us? Work 10, you know, a few hours a week out of the back of your house. Help us get it started. Okay, fine. That started, you know, 10 hours, 20 hours, 30 hours, 40 hours. I then uh, decided to go into my own business, uh, the McHugh Company, pretty much the same time, 1998. And uh, each of the entities knew what I was doing, working for a living, starting the association. And then the association uh, won, <laughs> the association management company won. In 2004, uh, we took on the Chicago Roofing Contractors Association, in addition to the Firestop Contractors International Association. It really became an association management company at that point. Um, and uh, my wife, Linda, had been working with me uh, part-time, helping me out with some various stuff. So I took her for a glass of wine and a nice dinner and said, look, I think we can do this together, but I need your help. Uh, so the wine won, uh, and she wound up uh, working with me, and uh, she really handles the Chicago Roofing Contractors Association pretty much on her own with another person. In addition to that, uh, you know, about uh, a couple of years later, we took on the National Fireproofing Contractors Association, um, and then we also managed another one called the Air Distribution Institute, which is uh, 
fabricators of sheet metal ductwork, um, you know, large regional metal fabricator companies. And the, the four of them work together well and uh, don't conflict, which is really uh, quite good. Uh, so, you know, when it comes to uh, working with the management company, certainly provides services to do association management, but also lots of other things too. Uh, active in the standards development, co-development, and uh, you know, building industries together with our manufacturer, contractor partners, inspection agencies, and and uh, making our industry uh, do the right stuff. You know, certainly, uh, I'm not the only cog in the wheel. Without our teams at the FCIA, the NFCA, and the CRCA, it just doesn't come together. And frankly, I'm I'm very thankful for the volunteer leaders that I've had a chance to work for with, uh, because uh, uh, it's just a very dynamic. Uh, uh, environment, this association environment. It's a, it takes a, every bit of your talents, whether it's the business, the engineering pieces that I've uh, gotten o- over the years and, and everything else. All of it comes together in one place and it's just been a blast to do for the last uh, you know, 20 plus years. It's just amazing how much you're involved in. And I mean, and, and it's so important too, because these things are at such a high level of life safety and not only code compliance, right? Uh, but since you brought up the wine, uh, well, let's go there for a second. Um, let, let's say you're at a cocktail party, right? Because I get this question all the time. What's the difference between fireproofing and fire stopping? In 30 <laughs> seconds, for someone that doesn't know anything about the business, how do you define the difference between fireproofing and fire stopping? Oh, good, good point. I start with two things. First one is I talk about structural fire resistance for fireproofing. The structural fire resistance would be holding the building up. If it's a steel structure, it's going to need insulation on that steel that's fire resistance, fire resistant, and provides fire resistive, resistive. Got to get it right. Fire resistive. Matter of fact, I just had a code proposal put in to change from resistant to resistive, and we won. So the 2024 code will say fire resistive protection of steel so that when the the heat of a fire um, starts transferring to that steel, you got to keep the, or any other structural element, got to keep the temperature under the limiting temperature such that the steel doesn't sag or expand too much, break the connections after it expands and bends and warps, and then has that floor collapse onto the next floor causing progressive collapse, think World Trade Center, um, and that's what the fireproofing does, helps hold up the building. The fire stopping uh, is a way to protect the breaches that are made for penetrating items like cables, ducts, pipes, um, cable trays, all kinds of crazy things, and protect those fire resistance rated wall assemblies that make compartments in buildings. They make those six-sided boxes to protect that structure so that fire doesn't spread from place to place. Sprinklers are in buildings, alarms are in buildings, we run out of buildings, but we've got to contain the fire to be able to keep it in one place so that it doesn't affect the structure, first of all, and most importantly, protects the people that are in it. The fire stopping stops the fire from spreading from place to place quickly, stops the smoke from spreading when it's got an L-rated fire stop system that's been used in that assembly and does a whole host of other things to protect us in that building so that we can get out of that structure because if you think about it, all the egress compartments, the stairwells, the hallways to get to those stairwells, those are fire resistance rated assemblies in most occupancies, all occupancies actually. And if we can't get into those places protected with a fire building on the other side, then we got a problem. 
So those two pieces work together. And those are the differences between the two. Fire stopping can help with structure too, because the fire rated assembly wasn't tested with a bunch of holes in it. It was tested with solid assembly and the fire stopping protects the structure. So it's not a two-sided fire attack. So it's fire stopping does both. Fireproofing only does one of those two pieces. Gotcha. So spray on beams, caulking holes. There it is. <laughs> I mean, Simplifying. You got it right there. Simplifying. There it is. So I just, uh, I want to thank you for your time, first of all, but I, I just want to see if there's anything that you want to promote. I understand that the FCIA is having a hybrid conference next week. If you're listening to this in the future, that's May 10th through the 13th, 2021. Um, it's great to hear that we're getting back to some in-person events. I'm, I'm assuming there's a, a video component as well with the hybrid. Um, yeah, are thanks, you excited John. to getting back out there? Yeah, thanks, John. Actually, this is our second hybrid conference. We did one in October. You know, in the association world, people are starting to talk about doing hybrids. We did it, you know, six, nine months ago. And people are asking me, well, gee, how did you do that? Well, it's, a, it's magic. We did it in a really cool way. So in Kansas City next week, we've got a, a great uh, host of speakers. The uh, hybrid portion, if you want to attend, it's wide open. Flights are still inexpensive to get to Kansas City. We're going to do another one in uh, San Diego in uh, in uh, late October as well. That and the FCIA nice. also uh, launched an education program two weeks ago, not two, uh, two months ago, uh, actually three months ago, the Firestop Certificate uh, Achievement of Education, uh, this Firestop Certificate of uh, uh, Education and Achievement Program. There's a certificate that's issued for uh, level one, which just went out the door. Level two is going to be really quite a uh, program to educate people in our industry about the depth of knowledge that's required. Then there's a three and four coming later on too. So there's all kinds of stuff coming from the FCIA. If you're a member, thank you very much because without your funding, we can't do what we do. If you're not a member, we really appreciate having you join as a member because we do things to develop the industry so that you've got um, the right mindset of people that are buying specifying and enforcing fire stopping. All of us are working together as a team, you know, whether it's the STI and the other members of the FCIA. Uh, I know the International Fire Stop Council's out there doing their thing too, and we appreciate all they do as well. Uh, but if you're not a member of the FCIA, join. If you're not a member of the other associations, join them as well, because, uh, you know, we're all trying to build the proper DIIM for fire stopping and effective compartmentation, fire resistance as well. Uh, the FCIA has got a barrier management services section to help with that maintaining protection for the life cycle of the building because the fire stop contractor knows what the right things are to do for the life cycle of the building. And we work together our manufacturer partners to get that done, our inspection agency partners and the contractors as well. So big thanks, John, for having me here. I really appreciate sure. the opportunity. And we really appreciate with. all you do, Bill. And it was a pleasure getting to know you a little bit better. Pleasure. And thank you to everyone uh, for listening. We know that there's many podcasts out there and you've chosen to listen to this one. So thanks again. And be sure to check out the show notes for some of the things that we were talking about, especially FCIA.org. Um, and if uh, you enjoyed this episode and you'd like to help support the podcast, please share it with others, uh, post it on social media, leave a rating, a review, whatever you have to do. Um, and to catch all the latest and greatest from STI, please check out our website at www.stifirestop.com. And until next time, this is The Burn.